Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. I'm Todd. And I'm Nathan. And welcome to a special episode of the Doctor Who Show, where Rob and I have been joined in Sydney, live in the room, by two guests. Todd, Nathan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So for those listeners who aren't aware, Todd and Nathan are from two now other Australian podcasts. You've been doing Flight Through Entirety for five or six years now? I think it's only four years. I think we started in 2014. Okay. Still a while. Yeah, yeah. And so you're working through all of Doctor Who and you're now in the Christopher Eccleston era? Yep, yep. I've just uh, finished the first draft of episode 140, which (laughs) is about The Empty Child. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, so that goes out, well, tonight as we record this. Excellent. And you are also currently doing your Jodie Into Terror podcast, which is your version, I guess, of our Rob Hot reactions to the new series. Yeah, and I wanted to take the, the, the opportunity to ask, how, how does it differ from doing your regular episodes? You know, because you've, you've just seen the episode like that day. Yeah, so all of the stories that we talk about just about are stories that we've known for years and years, decades sometimes, and that we have really strong opinions about or where we can talk about Todd does this quite a bit, talk about our initial reaction and then how our attitude towards the story has developed over time. Uh, But this is very different from that because we are just blundering in and saying whatever the hell, uh, you know, our initial reactions are. We we literally have like two or three minutes each to give, give an opinion and a discussion and you're not allowed to swear or anything because we're not really editing it. Well, Nathan's not editing it like maybe the beginning and end and that's it. So you've got to be on... Your best behaviour. <laughs> and so the difference is you might have made your mind up over decades on the other stories, but here do you find 24 hours later, 48 hours later, you regret what you said already because you've watched it again? And Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've only recorded two so far, and there was something I said at the end of episode two, which Nathan came in and has made me reflect on the niceness of the current Doctor. So, yeah, so it's really interesting. <laughs> I've watched each episode twice before recording and uh, last week which was the first broadcast of the Ghost Monument uh, I um I had just finished watching it before we started recording, just a matter of hours before. And so I haven't sort of rethought anything yet, but I will be interested. I think someone has commented I'm not sure who it was. Was it? It may have been one of you commented on Facebook that uh, you'd be interested to hear what we said in sort of 2023 when we finally <laughs> get round to it. Yes. <laughs> so for us, uh, we made Jody into Terror a separate podcast because we've got a very definite mission on Flight Through Entirety, which mm. is through the whole show in order. And so we, I didn't want to put anything in the feed that wasn't, you know, the next season one series one episode and so uh we made it a separate podcast and naturally named it after the next episode of the chase yes yes <laughs> and, and it's much and it's much um uh, it's not as long either like it's only tw- it's only 15 to 20 minutes as opposed to whatever we get up to with the other like 45 minutes to an hour yeah yeah it, it is going to be interesting because we're all of us watching Jodie Whittaker's character evolve and reacting to it very genuinely like you know some people love her I think Todd you and I are not uh, disliking of her but we're a little more ambivalent about the highs and the lows for example one day we're going to watch these episodes knowing that she had seven brilliant years or was sacked at the end of one season or something and that's going to cloud 
what we're doing or how we talk about it. And, and yeah, so it's interesting. That it will be interesting to have that, that reflection. Yeah, well, it's been really present to us in as we've covered the Christopher Eccleston era on the main podcast because, well, I mean, we did know Christopher Eccleston was leaving at the end of the year by mm. the time episode two was broadcast, but we had no idea where this would go. Right. And we certainly had no idea that it would still be going, you know, 12... 13 years later. Yeah, because I guess for us with Whitaker, Dave, it's probably the case, we don't know if this is her character now, or whether it's going to evolve a bit more, or what's going to happen halfway through the series, or whether this is it for the rest of the series, or what? As I've said in our hot takes, if you'd asked me to judge Peter Capaldi at the end of Into the Dalek, I would have almost written him off. I thought he was horrible in that. But he's, I've come to really, really like and admire him. I don't think there's a single Doctor who hasn't evolved over their tenure in the show. Sure. Even Eccleston, who only got yeah. that one year. There's a, there's a difference between the beginning and end of him. Yeah. yeah, I think they've all evolved. Uh, I guess for me at the moment, it's the writing. and I, I, I just want to see an episode um, not written by Chibnall that she does and see what happens there. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'm curious to know that having you guys in the room now. All through my time in fandom, friends have always talked about doing what we dubbed the great journey of life. Yeah. The, 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 the long thing. Um, I've now done it with the goodies for the Goodies Pirate podcast, and that was a revelation in terms of episodes I'd ignored for 20 years. Suddenly I'm going, this is actually really good. I'm currently doing it with Blake Seven for Spacefall. The reason I've never done it with Doctor Who is I have this fear that there are some episodes that I know from in the right mood like The Nightmare of Eden yeah. in the right mood I can put that on and really enjoy it yeah. in the wrong mood I couldn't get more than 10 minutes in and go this is just stupid and turn it off yeah. how often when you're doing FTE do you have stories where you sit there and think if I'd been in a better mood or I hadn't just had to get this done or I was in the right mood and that's clouded your enjoyment or otherwise of the episode oh what a question see I often watch it like like with the classic series I'd be watching like a season ahead from when yeah. we were recording so um, I'd always give myself time to sort of like if I didn't feel like watching it I wouldn't be watching it but if I did feel like watching it I would be watching it yeah. so I'd, I wouldn't be rushing to try and write notes um, there were you know there's the odd story that I really dislike that you kind of like I could be doing the washing up or whatever I think Planet of the Daleks <laughs> took you three months to get through didn't it? I think you're right like I think yes that was one of the worst ones it seems so long ago now mm. but certainly that We've got a great memory now. <laughs> that was that was that was for a long time the worst. But I also found, and I've said this, but I found season twenty around there that quite a slog to get yeah. through that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, there were actually some early stories that I'd never seen before, and it was I'd never watched a recon either, um, and so. I actually never found it hard to get through. And like Todd, I started a bit ahead. I had actually decided to do a sort of, uh, still a great journey of life, but not the great journey of life, where I was going to watch my way through the um, Barbara Wright era of Doctor Who, <laughs> starting with <laughs> Alan Earthly Child and ending with The Planet of Decision. And that was actually uh, the context in which I watched my first recon. Mm. So by the time FTE came along, I was actually substantially ahead. And there have been times, there have been times where I have had to rush to watch everything in time for a recording. And there were a couple of years there where I watched no television other than classic <laughs> Doctor Who. Um, you know, there's new television programs being made all the time, Todd. Did you know that? There is. I, I, I'm glad that we had the break between 
the classic series and the new. We really, yeah. I found it towards the end quite. It was a, it became a chore to have to keep watching and recording. Not to say I didn't enjoy it, but it was like, oh, you know, I've got to stop everything in order to yeah. write notes and be prepared. So it was really lovely to have have the break that the six months or so that we had off. Because the '60s was incredible. I mean, those were forty something episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you had to sit through that. Like, I I wasn't on the the show then until the end of the '60s. But um, you know, like yeah. that would have been just my... it was really something. <laughs> something. Yeah. The other thing that I find really interesting as a listener is, of course, the comments about shows and watching them and how you perceive them in order. Yeah. And one example that came to mind that you guys discussed quite a lot, particularly in your we retrospective was the demons where a couple of you I think particularly you Todd said if you pick the demons off the shelf and just watch it cold it's a very entertaining story if you watch it having watched all of season eight already it actually is if I can say it quite tiresome were there other examples like that that you sort of found in context stories actually did seem very repetitive or better or anything like that how did you cope with season five so I think season five is pretty boring uh, if you watch it all the way through. But I do think there are individual stories, even the base under sieges. Bases under siege? One of those. <laughs> um, even the bases under siege are okay. And certainly I think the Ice Warriors is actually pretty good. I only watched the Ice Warriors with that, with that abridged episode two and three <laughs> version because I can't get through it with all Victoria's screaming like, yeah. you know. But I tell you what, Enemy of the World, that's oh, sensational. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that is superb. Mm. And that's not a base under siege, so that's sort of different. I also wonder whether um, Series 12, Season 12, isn't just too bleak and too much of a change you know there's a massive change between robot and arc in space but that whole season which i think is incredibly good is a bit bleak and i also found the absence of women for about two and a half years (laughs) from the show was also just kind of uh, a thing yeah and now you mention it like that was you know that that early Tom stuff. The lack of women was something that really was like, "Come on, we need a woman!" And like, you know, suddenly there's one in the space station or the space <laughs> research station in the uh, android invasion. It's like, yes, there's a woman. Thank goodness. I think, I think the other season that I struggled a bit towards the end was season seven, which I dearly love, but it's all it is very much yeah. the same thing over mm. and over again to an extent. Well, it's um, fighting words for Dave. I'm just looking to see if he's going to explode. But, 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 I, but, I, but I really love that season. Like, yeah. 11 and 7 are my favourite Pertwee, so... Yeah, that's I, the right I, thing I, to say around him. No, no, I, I agree. I think season 7 is... I mean, it is my favourite season. I love every story. <laughs> but that said, I probably have never watched Spearhead through Inferno sort of in one long sitting. That, and if I did, I could get that would actually be quite... Yeah, a, yeah quite towards the end I was there losing the will to live in a couple of episodes I just keep saying give me Caroline Johns give me Caroline Johns because I really enjoy her so yeah alright well that's a bit of an introductory chat now we're getting going to get on to our main topic for the podcast so given that you guys are on Flight Through Entirety and Jodie into Terror I've decided to name this episode of the podcast The Podcast of Decision Oh, not the death of Doctor Who. I was very tempted. <laughs> I was very tempted to go there. But I thought I'd leave that for you for some future project. So this is—we have no idea what is about to to happen here. It's all been a mystery. So, yeah. so we we have we have hopefully in the room for people who are very happy just to talk about Doctor Who in general, and we want this to be a 
fun and relaxed conversation. So within the theme of the podcast of decision, I've got two different segments, both of which require us to make decisions. Ooh. So the first segment uh, is what I'm calling the time-space visualizer defrag, mm-hmm. which is where I'm going to say that our time-space visualizer is uh, over memory capacity. I'm going to randomly draw four topics out of an envelope each time, and as a group we have to decide which three are erased and which one we are keeping for posterity. Okay. So we have to make a decision as a group, but I'm also giving each of the four of us a joker card so that if there's one where you sit there and say, look, one of the things we're going to jettison, I absolutely have to save, and this is my one pick, you can save that as well and and tell us why. So we're all comfortable with that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you may have to explain it one more time. Start the furnaces. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I'll just uh, unseal the envelope with all the secret topics. And um, I'll draw the first four. We can go around the table and draw these. So our first four things, we need to decide which of these we keep and which three we go. We have Doctor Who Conventions. (laughs) (laughs) Genesis. The Massacre. Hey, it's gone already. (laughs) The original TARDIS console room. And our fourth one is the Eighth Doctor. Wow. So we get to keep one and get rid of three. Yeah. Well... I've had a lot of fun at Doctor Who conventions, but I really like the massacre, and I really like the original console room. What do we mean by the original console room? Do you think? I I think of it as being the one in the Hartnell era. Not. Yeah. I, I don't sort of think of it as being the dilapidated one that is using <laughs> yeah, the war games. Some photographs of some walls. <laughs> yeah. And stuff and, like and that. And it's season one and two, like yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah with, right. with that big thing on the roof and, and the yeah. and and the. Four decayer machine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say let's keep the original TARDIS console room because I think it is spectacular. I do think it's sort of weird and a little bit upsetting that everyone wants it back all the time because we can always just go back and watch those stories, you know, for that sort of 60s futurist sort of thing. I want it back. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. (laughs) And and I'm kind of happy to do without the others. I've been to enough Doctor Who conventions, so they can go. The Massacre is uh, famously tiresome and fortunately doesn't exist at all. Uh, And the Eighth Doctor... You know, given that the only things that I count are things that I can watch on TV with people, I could cope without the telly movie. So that's what I'm voting for. What do you reckon, Tom? I'm going. I'm. I'm going to vote exactly the same as you. The Eighth <laughs> Doctor can go. The Massacre, forget it. I've done enough Doctor Who conventions to last me a lifetime. So I'm keeping the original TARDIS console room. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I love the novelization of the Massacre. Oh really? Yeah. Who's it by? John Lucarotti. Have they? Oh, does Peter Purvis? Does Peter Purvis read it? I don't know. I've not heard the written the red one. I think there is a red one, and yeah. I think that Brendan was going to get it for me for my birthday <laughs> one year. And he hasn't yet, no. Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, though, that's probably the weaker on the list. The Eighth Doctor, I loved. Uh, not because of the TVM, but because I read all of the EDAs when they came out. Uh, and so he sort of became a novel doctor to me. Right. Maybe like how Sylve was a novel doctor for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Dave, with the NAs. Ugh. But a lot of people still don't know him. You know, Big Finish is limited. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking not just of myself here. I'm thinking of the world. Doctor Who conventions, they bring a lot of joy to people around the place. 
with that original TARDIS console room. I still love it when it pops up in episodes. Yeah, yeah. I love it when it popped up in an adventure in time and space. It popped up in a Capaldi episode too, didn't it? Yeah, I think um, Hellbent. Was it Hellbent? Or Heaven Sent? Yeah, or? whichever one is the one that the is second on Gallifrey. One? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hellbent. And it looks so good. And we've already said on our podcast, on our hot takes, that we'd like to see that instead of the Jodie Whittaker. No, um, that's a terrible take. <laughs> <laughs> I go with you two. I, I say we keep the original TARDIS console. Right? Look, I agree as well. I, I do love the massacre. And I'm going to say, not just because I'm a fan of historicals, but as a Hartnell fan, and a couple of months ago we did our special on Hartnell, and yeah. I explained why. Whenever people say that he was ailing or he was a weak actor at the end of his run... The Massacre is the one that I point them to and say, look at him as the abbot in that. Look at his monologue at the end. This is a guy still in full command of his faculty, still able to be a fantastic actor. I, well, that final speech in episode four, that's fabulous. Yeah. Like, that is really something. I agree. Um, but the abbot, he's The abbot's only in it for ten minutes and he's dead in a ditch. <laughs> no, look, at it, it's true, but, but, but the way that Hartnell makes the two characters different, just as yeah. Troughton does with his two in the enemy of the world. I, I just think that's the one way to validate it, but I can't vote against the TARDIS console room, so we will save that, and the other three are deleted. In the furnace. That's good. Nobody had to be ended up, yeah. end up dead in a ditch. <laughs> Apart from the oh. abbot. Nathan, I'll ask you to oh, pull okay. four out of the envelope. Why have, I, why have I never done anything like this on FTE? I like this idea. <laughs> I can't steal it now. No, you, you, you can as long as you give credit. I'll give credit. We'll just give it a slightly Okay, I name. have four. Are we ready? We're yeah. ready, Nathan. The Idiot's Lantern. The War Doctor. Cliffhangers. Murray Gold. So I've got to make a decision about these things. Okay, Murray Gold's going because he's been overused. Yeah. Um, so I'm t- he, he's tiresome. So yeah. he did great work, but goodbye. Um, <laughs> we don't. I don't think we need cliffhangers. I think we just can continue with forty-five minute or fifty-minute stories yeah. because otherwise you lose people between weeks. So that's goodbye. So that leaves me with the idiot's lantern. Not one of my favourite episodes. But Maureen Lipman is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And the Doctor does quote Kylie Minogue or Stockaker and Waterman by saying never too late. So I think I'm going to, I'm hedging my bets towards that. The War Doctor, really? Couldn't we have just got back Elliston? No, goodbye. Yeah. So The Idiot's Landon is the one I'm going for at the moment. Yeah. Does anybody want to fight against Todd's decision there? But you, you, yes. Okay. Yes, I will. Okay. Murray Gold can go. As you say, he's overused. Mm-hmm. From time to time, he popped out a nice bit of music, but on the whole, overused. I agree. The Idiot's Lantern, I never rated as much of an episode. Dave, don't explode, please. <laughs> it's one that Dave loves. In fact, I'm waiting for you to play a Joker all of a sudden. Um, the War Doctor, yes, not Eccleston. I think it should have been McGann. I think that would have been lovely to have McGann as, as fighting the war you know the, the the nicest man in the universe has to fight the war that would have been just fantastically dramaful but I think cliffhangers is what Doctor Who's been built on mostly over the years I think it's essential to the show I, I want to keep cliffhangers I'm going to err with Rob on this one. As much as I enjoy The Idiot's Land and I think it's a lovely little piece and a lovely little episode some great characters Cliffhanger, there are so many great cliffhangers and there's so much drama you can get out of them. And I think it is what defines Doctor Who more than perhaps any other series. So 
I'm, I'm erring with Rob on this occasion. I'm going to keep cliffhangers or make the argument for it. Well, I'm happy for cliffhangers to go, actually. I mean, I've had a lot of pleasure from them over the years. I think the Happiness Patrol episode two is one of the most spectacular cliffhangers in the show's history. Um, I like episode one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty good. It <laughs> is, but two, they're both good. Two has great music and it's sort of super atmospheric and sort of, sort of weird. And, you know, every single cliffhanger in Enemy of the World is pretty great. But I think there's a problem with expecting people to tune in and watch part of a story every week. Mm. And I think that... Um, Chibnall has made the right decision to ditch them. I mean, does the end of The Woman Who Fell to Earth count as a cliffhanger? It sort of is. Yeah, it kind of is. But I think it was a very clever one. Yeah. Well, yeah. To keep the hook and to keep people... In, in, for, in for the second week but now we haven't had one in the second no week, I don't so, think it'll yeah, be a thing I yeah. think it was it was a good idea you know yeah. there are always going to be people kind of uh, sticking their head around the corner to see what the show was like these days and it turned out you know that was the top show of the week and 45% of the TV audience were doing that and so it was wise to anticipate that and get mm. people back the next week and I think he largely did that I mean, mm. yeah so so, but I do think that there is, you know, cliffhangers are fun, but I think, you know, those of us who are apprehensive about standalone stories, um, I think, you know, given what TV's like now. But also, um, too, we've got less episodes now in this yeah. new series, so I don't think we can afford to have as many cliffhangers. I mean, yeah. we used to have cold opens sort of became the cliffhanger into the credits. But we so we, we don't even know if we have, we have them any, anymore. That's right. Yeah. We don't know at this point. We'll so. find out tomorrow. Um, I thought the War Doctor was a good way of solving a problem. And it was a great... You know the way that Moffat just rewrote the Doctor's background? You know, <laughs> and kind of helped himself to hundreds of years while the Doctor was <laughs> off doing things. And here's an extra regeneration and watch him leave Gallifrey and stuff. like yeah. he, And here's his childhood. And I think he did that without wrecking anything. So he expanded the Doctor's mythology. And I thought that that was super interesting. And it was bound to get people's noses out of joint too, which was funny as well. So I kind of like the War Doctor, and I love John Hurt. I think that performance is great. But it would have been better, I think, as Rob says, if some Doctor that we knew Mm -hmm. and loved... I think made this point on FTE the other week. If the Doctor that... Grace had loved or that Charlie had loved or the Doctor that Rose had known and loved was the one who flicked the switch in the Mm. Time War that would have been much more telling rather than here's another person who I can sort of dissociate myself from who did this Um, The Idiot's Lantern I think is really disposable particularly in a season that also has Fear Her which is functionally identical to it but it does have some great period stuff um, it's got Maureen Lippman. There is a lot to like about it, um, but I could probably do without it. So I'm going to keep Murray Gold. And I think the reason is that Doctor Who, for a period of time, went from that sort of atmospheric scoring that was different from each for each story to a more emotional um, Scoring, which had themes for characters and that kind of thing. And I think all of those themes were great. Even the theme for the Capaldi Doctor, I think, is astonishingly good. The theme for Matt Smith's Doctor is wonderful. Oh, the themes nice. for the companions are great. Mm-hmm. You know, he really was really, really good. I had thought that Moffat should have not 
employed him because he's so closely associated with Russell. You know, mm. he was he did Queer as Folk. You know, mm-hmm. he's Russell's composer. But I just don't think Moffat was the sort of person who could have made a decision about <laughs> who should be the uh, music guy. And I'm kind of glad he's gone. But I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be able to do as much marking as I do now without Murray Gold's soundtrack in the background. So. Uh, just for the sake of my career. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not I'm not persuaded by your argument about the War Doctor. I, I do like him, but I think he's very disposable. And let's face it, it it's an era that where his regeneration is caused by impending end of the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always been caused by that. <laughs> impending end of the contract. But, but, but is the that, most common that, reason. That's right. But here they don't even pretend. It's like all oh, the, the closing credits are coming soon. I better regenerate. <laughs> yes, it, that is bizarre. Um, look, I'm willing to change my vote to the Idiot's Lantern. And maybe that would, that would give it two votes. Uh, no, I'm changing my vote. <laughs> so, so what are you going for, Todd? Well, Idiot Sand is disposable, and I was only going for it for those reasons that I gave. Um, I'm happy to go back to Murray Gold because and keep him now. Yeah, the body of work stands for itself. I was just, you know, <laughs> we've now gone from his score to we're now going back to atmospheric scores. It's so good too. And it's so different and it's really challenging me, right? Having been so drilled into feeling emotion through Murray's score to suddenly have to get that emotion through other means. So I'm going to keep Murray now and I'm ditching the idiot's lantern. Oh, I could be persuaded by that. Yeah, okay. All right, all right, we'll go with Murray Gold. Excellent, Murray survives. Oh, well. So do you want to pick his four more? I shall. Oh my god. So we've got Dragonfire, Adric, mm. oh, that's a third thing. The Delgado Master, who is a clear winner at the moment, <laughs> and Malcolm Hulk. Oh, oh that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gosh, Dragonfire, one of the first episodes I saw as a Australasian Doctor Who fan club member. Oh my god! Back, back, back in back, 1987. Back, yeah, it was one of the first I saw. It was. Yeah. It was also the first McCoy I ever saw in a Doctor Who Club of Victoria meeting in somebody's lounge room with a, a VHS copy posted from the UK. Yeah, it's the first I saw of McCoy. I was in a Sydney Uni lecture theatre, looking up at big CRT TVs hanging from the roof, all around the theatre. Anyway, Adric, never been a fan. The Delgado Master, I love, and Malcolm Hulk. Malcolm Hulk. Oh gosh. I just let me just say to you mm. the phrase Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. Yeah. You yeah. Know, um every single novelization he wrote is so good, so smart and so clever. The um uh the very first Doctor Who audiobook I bought was Doctor Who and the Dinosaur Invasion. Yeah. And it like that story is a bit naff, but the novelization is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm a f I'm fond at some level in all of these I, I really like Dragonfire in fact of all the FTE episodes Dragonfire's probably in the top five where I've been shouting at my speakers saying you guys are wrong because oh, you, you think it's this? so boring yes <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't um, Dragonfire is my favourite from that season but it's weak so it's going um, Adric goodbye I'm now torn between the Delgado Master because he's fantastic and Malcolm. Well, you've got Missy now, so you don't need the Delgado Master, really. 
But without the Delgado Master, we never had would have had the Ainley Master. <laughs> Look, I in, in another round I could argue for Adric because he was my companion, and I have a great fondness for him, but. I, I can't argue for him over the Delgado Master and Malcolm Hogg. No. And look, I could go around in circles pretending I'm making a decision here, but I can't jettison Malcolm Hogg. But the Delgado Master is wonderful. So can I ask a question? You know, with our Joker thing, is that just for this envelope? Or you can only yeah, play Yeah, just, just for this envelope. You can only so play there's the, Sorry, So there's seven rounds. Okay. So we're on to round three. What if two people play their Joker for two different things? Yeah, that's fine. We could save three things. Do they both get saved? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm going to put it out there. Let's let's do a deal. Let's as a, <laughs> let's, let's let's as a group vote for Malcolm Hogg because I, I agree he's superb. He wrote yeah, my yeah. he wrote my favorite story and many of my top ten stories. So I mean, which one's your favorite story? The solar, again? The solar end. Yeah, that's a that is an mm. incredibly good story. That's stunning. And we wouldn't have that incredible documentary as well yeah. on the Silurian DVD um, if it wasn't for that. Invasion of the Dinosaurs is a top ten for me. Yeah. I enjoy the Sea Devils. I actually really enjoy Colony in Space. I don't think it's brilliant, but I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so I'm, I'm saying maybe as a group we put Malcolm Hogg through but I will use my Joker to save the Delgado Master ooh okay alright I could go with that I, I'll live with that that's good thank you for using your Joker alright so we are putting both Mac Hulk and the Delgado Master through but I have now used my Joker okay oh, on a oh. very worthwhile character yeah I could take him or leave him <laughs> Four from you, please, Rob. Okay. Four from me. How many are in here, Dave? There's seven rounds. Wow. Okay. First one, Mark Gatiss. Bye. <laughs> Second, Big Finish. Bye. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Third, the 11th hour. Mm. Hello. <laughs> Fourth, Listen. Dave, do you want to kick us off? Uh, oh, this is actually the easiest round for me by far so far because I think Listen is the best story of the Capaldi era, so it's my favourite. Uh, the 11th Hour, I understand why other people like it, but it never really grabbed me. Big Finish, I understand why other people like it, but I've never really been that engaged by it. Mark Gaddis, look, he has many nice episodes, but he also has many terrible episodes. If anything were to convince me about him, it would be an adventure in space and time, which I thought was a really good uh, piece of drama that he did. But no, I'm 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 very much point, uh, prompting for listen. I think that is a story that helps to see more of the Doctor without demystifying him. Mm. It's a wonderful performance by Capaldi. It it had very serious fans arguing over what was under the Duna cover for like weeks afterwards, which was just fun. Um, to watch anyway and I, I just think it's a wonderful wonderful piece of television and who was Orson Pink and when was Orson Pink going to come back and that, is, that is true that is true that is a problem but uh, <laughs> look, my, 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 my vote is very easily for listen okay I um, I would vote for the 11th hour I think I would vote to retain the 11th hour I think it is um, the first time that the show has had a sort of clean break, a completely new production team um, with no previous cast members back at all. And Moffat is, has kind of set himself this puzzle and he does such a great job of it. Um, 
he makes the story work even though we don't know any of the actors in it at mm. all um uh and you know like there's i think there's diminishing returns with moffat and beers um, as he sort of goes back to the same tropes over and over again um but i think the 11th hour is him you know it may be his you know one of his best episodes it's one of his best episodes without being kind of ostentatiously clever the way that listen is or or heaven sent uh mark gatiss you know i like i'm the only person this is a a documented fact but I'm the actually the only person who liked Sleep No More so I'm very pleased, pleased to meet you <laughs> must be one somewhere in the yeah, yeah, yeah. and the thing I like about it particularly is that uh, uh, the doctor doesn't win and humanity gets wiped out at the end that's awesome <laughs> um, big finish not bleak at all <laughs> well it's a sort of subtext um, big finish you know I don't know um, it's not been anything that I've ever gotten into very much. I think there are some really, truly great stories and then probably some bucket loads of <laughs> some, yeah. um, stuff. Listen, you know, like I kind of respect Listen, but I don't like it all that much. It is uh, a kind of... It's a bit running in place a bit. I always think that... The stories that sort of over, it's a little bit uh, what does it remind me of it, it reminds me a little bit of, of Love and Monsters it's very authored it res, you know both of those stories reflect their creators in a way mm-hmm. but both of them seem a bit kind of half baked and not completely in the author's control um so I I don't know there's so much Moffat I guess we could without one of those episodes but I would keep the 11th hour because I think it's it's just super fun and just terribly well done yeah I agree I went into that really apprehensive and by the time Matt Smith had finished talking to young Amy I was won over Mm. I'm keeping the 11th hour as much as there's good things in the others and not so good things that's it for me the 11th hour Mm. alrighty Gatiss, very hit and miss for me. I love some of his stuff. I hate some of his stuff. Big Finish, similar. They're, they just pump out so much stuff. Some of it's got to be bad. And in fact, I think a lot of it is bad. But there is some gems in there to be found. Which leaves two stories that I quite like. However, we were just talking about the woman who lived in our episode of that, Dave. And you might recall a quote I made in that. Because we're talking about debut episodes for Doctors. And I said, when I watched The Eleventh Hour... I felt I had seen something special. So, although I love, actually love both those two stories, I'm actually going to have to go with the 11th hour. Seems that uh, I'm outvoted. <laughs> Not for the first time this week. <laughs> but that is a great story. Listen, is fantastic too. I really too. should watch it again. I yeah. actually find, you know, like there's whole heaps of Moffat that I haven't gone back and rewatched. And sometimes I'm a little bit disappointed. And I'd be reluctant to go back and watch Listen out of context as well. It would probably mean watching that entire season. But I don't dislike season, that season at all. No, it was a fine season. Yeah. 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 So the 11th hour seems to be the majority mm. pick? It is. Yes. All right. We'll go with the 11th hour. This is going to go horribly wrong, isn't it? We're going to learn that the links of the, you know evolved version of ourselves or something at the end of this it's going to be <laughs> see I almost setting. used my wild card on listen uh, almost 
But I don't know what's coming up. We just have no idea. That's it. So, the next round... Carnival of Monsters. <gasps> Ian and Barbara. Oh, don't do this to me. The Evil of the Daleks. Oh. <laughs> and Frontios. Oh my god. <laughs> so you've put the best Pertwee story up against the best two companions there in that round. And arguably one of the, if not the best, Davidson and one of the, if not the best, Troughton. No, I don't think Evil of the Daleks is all that good. Uh, look, Evil of the Daleks is okay, and it does the. There are some fantastic things in it, but there's a lot of padding and a you know small amount of unfortunate racial stereotyping. But where it's where it's good, <laughs> it is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is true. I agree with you with about Evil. It's all some of it's great, and some of it's like it's not power. No power. No. I think power is better. Yeah. So I'm happy to ditch Evil of the Daleks. Um, Fontios is possibly. Did I make it my favourite Davison? It was certainly the most surprising. It's really good, isn't and it? It's, it's really phenomenal. Mm. Um, but it's Ian and Barbara, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm not saving Fontios. <laughs> it's Ian and Barbara. I'm just. We're, it's Ian and Barbara. What can I say? And then we've got Carnival of Monsters, which I've never really been in love with, although I acknowledge. Remember Lots you, of clever stuff in it. You're on that episode. You did that episode. I did do that yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot more than yeah. I hated it as a kid. So my sort of yeah. ambivalence over it makes it a clear winner for me that Ian and Barbara should be yeah. saved. I think Carnival of the Monsters is easily the best Pertwee, and it's one of Holmes's cleverest scripts, and it's the one where Joe tells the audience how evil they are <laughs> there's people out there watching us running away from drashings they must be awfully evil you know? <laughs> that's us <laughs> well Nathan if we decide to save Ian and Barbara you could always play your joke well you don't uh, preempt me but um, yeah I think Carnival of Monsters um, is a great Pertwee despite the production and stuff oh. um, it really is a clever commentary on Doctor Who and it's the first time really the Doctor Who kind of you know turns the camera on itself and starts to do a story about what it is and I'd like that a lot look I would argue to keep all of them I, Evil I think he's a, he's a really good trout I think where it hits yeah. the mark it is phenomenally good Frontius I actually think is Davison's best performance in the role mm. it's not my mm. favourite story in that era that, that's Planet of Fire uh, but Frontios is in the top couple. Is it do, you just remember, do you remember Plantagenet's having a heart attack? Yes. And uh, and Pete runs in and goes, tear down those wires. And Teen goes, I've only just put them up. And he goes, well, jolly good. Tear them, <laughs> them down, down again. again. <laughs> He's so great. He's so He's good so in good it. He's so good in it. Um, and so it'll be a shame to lose that. Um, I, I agree with Carnival of Monsters. And I t- spoke before about the FT episodes where I'm shouting at you going, you guys are so wrong. Mm. Carnival is one of the ones where I remember going, this is a whole new take on it that I need. I now need to go watch again and appreciate in a different way. And that was really, really good. But it's Ian and Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, who are just, and again, we spoke about this in a Hartnell episode a couple mm. of months ago, f- so phenomenally good in terms of their performance, so phenomenally good in terms of their characterisation, the way they work with the Doctor, the way they hold uh, plot threads, you know, so totally on their own. I, I rewatched and listened to the Crusades recently, and they they are both just superb mm. in that. Oh, and they're superb at holding the whole thing together when people forget their lines or sets are about to fall mm. apart mm. or whatever's happening. Mind you, if they're on different cards, Ian would be gone like that. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. <laughs> but you know, together they are. 
Well, I, I'll dive in quickly and say, back on our Davison episode, I love being able to refer back to episodes. It doesn't look like I'm just doing this to spite anybody in the room. On our Davo episode, I said Frontios is a story I didn't get as a kid and I still don't like as an adult. Okay. Right. Even when he puts on the half moon specs and you know and and then the panpipe music plays, the panpipe music plays <laughs> and, and all love the, the panpipe music. Yeah, it still just doesn't get me. So I I could flick Frontios, Evil of the Daleks. If that was Power of the Daleks, I'd be saving it. But it's evil, yeah. so nah. Yeah. And then Carnival Monsters versus Ian and Barbara is where it's at for me. I can't take. I can't get rid of Ian and Barbara for the sake of one story. So yeah. I would save Ian and Barbara. Versus Carnival of Monsters. Alright, well I'll save Carnival of Monsters. Okay. So you're playing your Joker? Yeah. Alright, so the group is saving Ian and Barbara, and Nathan is playing his Joker and saving Carnival of Monsters. Yeah. Very good. Alright, we've got two rounds to go. I haven't played my Joker yet, I might regret this. It's two rounds to go. You're way too late. I almost saved Frontios. I really. That that was one of the most surprising. Yeah. You're going to yeah. find yourself saving water and undead, aren't we? <laughs> Jeez, I don't want that. <laughs> Romana. Oh. Which one? It's just this Romana. It's just one person. Planet of the Daleks. <laughs> Hastily handwritten, I notice. Oh my god. Ace. And the Rani. <laughs> the wretched Rani. That's his name. Oh. Rob, somebody else kick us off? I'll kick us off. Romana. I love the first Romana. Not so hot on the second Romana. Mm, I know that's controversial. Well, it would have been in the 90s, but I think it's less controversial these days. Is that right? I reckon so. I reckon since the Keter Times come out, particularly on DVD, there's been a whole new groundswell of love for that season and for Mary Tam yeah. and for everyone that goes with it. She, she deserves that. She's superb. Yeah. Nathan always says that it's she takes a year off acting at sabbatical. Um, <laughs> that's but, okay though. I mean, but that's Tom okay. takes about six years off acting. But you know what? I actually, I'm actually in agreement with you. I actually yeah. prefer Mary Tam over Lala Ward, which I didn't as a kid. Interesting. But I still love her. I'm I still not, love Lala. I didn't say that I yeah. didn't, but I actually. I don't know. It's, it's a much different take on the character. I just think there's a real glee that she has, which is so wonderful. And, and but, it's important to stress when I say that I've, because I, I, I have come to prefer Mary Tam, it's not that Lala Ward has gone down. Yeah. Tam has just gone up and passed her. She's so great. She's so awesome. Especially when she's been a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she's just wonderful. <laughs> now, so, yeah. Planet of the Daleks, that's all purple blankets and balloons, isn't it? Yeah. As I recall. It's excruciating to get through. I'm just yeah. seeing that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't vote for that. Ace. Ace is the companion who was coming in as I got into fandom. Not when I started watching the show, but as I came into fandom. So she holds a very special place for me. And the Rani, I could take or leave. I would want to save Ace out of these four. I would save Ramana out of these four. I quite enjoy Planet of the Daleks. I think it's actually a very fun, entertaining story, but Doctor Who is full of fun, entertaining stories, and one, you know... You one... just went to death to the Daleks, or the Daleks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, it, it is replaceable. <laughs> um, I've, uh, the Rani, actually, I think, is in two terrible stories, so I have no desire to save her whatsoever. I, I actually think the mark of the Rani is 
the worst of that season and Time of the Rani is probably the worst of that season to be honest well Time of the Rani does have Kato Mara dressed up as Bonnie Langford and that is <laughs> if, if it was pretty that, fantastic she's great that. <laughs> she's great in that I mean yeah. I, I loved I loved Kato Mara in Mark of the Rani like yeah she is fantastic but not enough to save her she you know like you, she's a kind of like the female Time Lord villain and you think that's kind of like the master and then of course you get a female master and she's nothing like the Rani um, and the other good thing about ditching the Rani is that therefore we can't, won't have fan speculation forever and ever that no. every female that turns up in the new series will eventually turn out to be the Rani I just think that's silly like do you remember when people were going Missy's going to be the Rani and it's kind of like how much ca- scaffolding conversation would have had to take place for that to work for anyone but a tiny, yeah. tiny group of very sad people in the audience mm. like us? I still think that the Rani's going to turn up any day. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, Good grief. It's Yaz. Yaz is the Rani. <laughs> if you are well, she's either that or well, she's, a, well, she's Nissa at the moment. She could be anybody. If you're asking eight-year-old me, it would be unquestionably saving Ace, but... That was 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, your tastes have matured. I'm putting away childish things. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with Romana. Yeah. Look, I, I'd agree with you. I think that I like Planet of the Daleks, but it's kind of disposable. I love Kato Mara. I think she's fantastic, but, you know, whatever. Um, I think Ace is a great character, and she brought, you know a whole new way of telling stories about the companion into the show and it's the thing that we have now with and we've got Rose which is kind of a better version of Ace yeah 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 yeah. I was going to say well what if we didn't have Ace we wouldn't get Rose that would be kind of terrible but I'm not going to do that because I'm kind of happy to junk Ace because even though she's a great character there is a kind of you know that sort of early afternoon BBC children's show swearing that she does <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the accent shame or whatever it is yeah. boom shame whatever <laughs> that was Bambera's accent toe rag and bilge bag um, <laughs> and I just think Romana is superb both of them you know all of them she was the noblest Romana of them all yeah, yeah. Look, I, I have to agree with what you've said. Um, I really love Ace at the end of the show. She's yeah. fresh, she's new, yeah. and I think Sophie just gets better in the role. Um, but I'm going to save Romana. Well, 12-year-old me who wrote to Sophie Aldred is going to do a wild card on Ace. So we're saving Romana and you're saving Ace? Yes. Fair enough. They both get through. Excellent. Uh, Nathan, do you want to give us our final round for this, okay. this, this or our final sets of picks for this? Alright, still got a wild card time. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that I've saved the best for last. Maybe I get to use yeah, it. You'll be saving Colony in Space. Ah, <laughs> oh, here's one you'll be saving. The key to time season. Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> the twin dilemma. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's stuck. Clara. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, uh, well, I think there's an obvious winner there. I think there's an obvious winner there. Mm. There is an obvious winner. Are they all the same obvious winner? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I know what your obvious winner is and mine might be different. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So I'm saving the key to time season. That's what I thought. I think it's just uh, fantastic. It's uh, 
the Graham Williams era when it's not suffering from patently horrific budgetary problems like it is in season 15 and when it's a whole heap of sort of brown cardboard space corridors as it is in season 17 I still love season 17 I think it's it's sunny it's fun it's super enjoyable it's great it goes to hell at the end but you know <laughs> it's great Gallifrey is horrific I was so glad they destroyed it and sorry when they brought it back um, the twin dilemma is obviously an atrocity and um, uh, you know Clara I think is actually pretty good um, I've got some sympathy for the view that having a sort of brittle and unlikable companion alongside a brittle and unlikable doctor probably wasn't <laughs> such a winning combination. It's a very good way of summarising <laughs> She's, I think she's a good actor and it's, mm. uh, you know, unsurprising that she's gone on to do good things. Yes, I think she's a better actor than her predecessor. But the oh, yeah, for sure. But the character is... Uh, yeah. I'm ditching Clara. She's in a ditch. Mm-hmm. Gallifrey's going... All those sofas, Todd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to say the, the, the key to time is my vote. But if I didn't have the Trinity Dilemma, that I wouldn't get to rant about episode one <laughs> on FTE. Um, so at the moment, my vote's for the key to time. But Look, my, my vote is for the key to time as well. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that Clara is a far better actor than she's a character. Indeed, by the end, she, she stayed too long. She was just annoying without being redeemable. Gallifrey... Look, I don't dislike it as much as you, I think, Nathan, partly because a lot of those Gallifrey stories were part of those endless repeats when I was a boy. Yeah. So the first time I saw Gallifrey was The Five Doctors. The second time was The Three Doctors. And then I was sort of coming into sort of being 10, 11 when Deadly Assassin and Invasion of Time were repeated. And so they, they had a magical sort of element for me. And I do respect it. Um, I think it was a mistake to bring it back in the new series, however. And I don't think anything they've done with that has actually been worth bringing it back. Yeah, I think so too. I also think it was probably a bad idea to have it at all. You know, because it's just like another tiresome planet, you know. <laughs> like, um, the Doctor goes to this planet and there's all these sort of boring people and stuff. And I think it robs it of the mystery. I do think that the Deadly Assassin may justify having Gallifrey in the series. Because yeah. it's pretty amazing. But, but yeah. up against the key to time, which in my view, is five and a third incredibly enjoyable stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just no contest. But well, What was the thing that we said, that Bob Baker and Dave Martin write two excellent episodes a season, but this <laughs> season they had to write six episodes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, the Armageddon Factor, I think, is really, really good until the start of episode three where they leave Atrios. Yeah, yeah. And once they get to Zeos, it gets even worse. It's terrible. It's terrible. But yes, I, there's I, two good episodes, and yeah. then you've got to get <laughs> then through then the rest. The next four. The next four are very, very tedious. But I, I love every other one there. I think my favourite is the Seeds of Doom. I think that is <laughs> my favourite. Is, is the Stones of Blood. I think that's phenomenally yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Androids of Tara is probably the story that has most improved as I have aged. So fun. It is so fun. Ribos Operation again has improved a lot with age. Yeah. I love the early Douglas Adams in Pirate Planet. Mm. And Power of Kroll, look, again, I need to be in the right mood, but it's just so much fun. It's still a home script, you know. It is. It's not, it's not stupid. And the location, R- 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 location, I love the location. Yeah. Mary Tam, I think, looks absolutely stunning in that outfit and the hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, no, no, no. Everybody talks about everything else she wears that season, but I really love her. As soon as she's tied up and 
talking to Rome <laughs> Dutt and giving him the what for. I was about to say exactly that. That scene where Rome Dutt is trying to threaten and intimidate her and she's just so blasé. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. It's also got the lines like Tom's line about the um, the monster costume. Well, it probably looked more convincing from the front. That's such a great <laughs> <thing of> resolution. <laughs> so? So, I, I knew Key to Time would come out for you guys. So which one did I want to save? It's Gallifrey. Ah. Because I think of Gallifrey as an idea more so than what I've seen on the screen. We can all point to the IKEA furniture and we can point to horrible episodes that are set there. The one where Capaldi went back, I thought was a complete waste. The way mm-hmm. they treated Rassilon and that was terrible. It's like, ah, why can't they get this right? It's similar to me as Cybermen stories. I love the Cybermen, but I think most of the stories are terrible. <laughs> It's the idea of the Cybermen that I like, and it's the idea of Gallifrey that I like, and that's what I'm sticking up for here. You know, this this old, academic, dusty, horrible place that the Doctor wanted to escape from. I I just love that idea. I love that he can go back there. It's just that they don't do anything interesting with it. So I completely acknowledge all the criticisms of it. I'm thinking of it in a different way. I'm thinking of it as the idea of the place more so than the episodes. I love what you're saying, but I'm still fighting for the key to time. <laughs> Can I just ask something? Close. If I don't use my Joker, that's it. There's no other... Well, if we do this again... You can redeem it for cash, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really, Nathan? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So... Okay. I'm going to... Well, if I, if, well, I may as well use it. Save the twin dilemma. I am. Yeah, go. Okay. <laughs> so, as a group, I'm sorry, Rob, we're going to save the key to time. And Todd is using his Joker to save the twin dilemma, which I was actually going to say this at the end of the episode, but I'll say it now because you've raised it. Um, for any of our Doctor Who show listeners that are thinking after this, you want to get into Flight Through Entirety, but you find it incredibly daunting or you just want to taste, I'm going to recommend listening to The Twin Dilemma and a couple of the season 22s because I think the conversations you guys have on that are just so wonderful in terms of discussing the good and the bad of a story from a place of love and a place of understanding. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you want to try their Twin Dilemma episode and maybe Attack in Varos, and if you like it, go right back to the start and do it properly, but if you don't like those, I think you probably won't get much out of FTE. Well, I just kind of think it's like Doctor Who. You know, people say, when should I start watching Doctor Who? Mm. And it's kind of like, well, just start now. Start at any point. Like, I started at Death to the Daleks, yep. you know. Like, no one would have said, actually, a really good place to start Doctor Who, Nathan, would be Death to the Daleks, <laughs> you know. And I think just start with a story that you know, mm. I think. Mm. And the same with FTA. It's all the same excellent quality, isn't it, <laughs> Always. <laughs> so at Especially the end... when I'm in an episode. <laughs> so at the end of uh, that little segment, we have decided to save, just for the record... The Carnival of Monsters, the original TARDIS console room, Murray Gold, Malcolm Hulk, the Delgado Master, the 11th Hour, Ian and Barbara, Romana, Ace, the Key to Time, and the Twin Dilemma. <laughs> and so now we're going to make a Doctor Who story yes. with all of those elements in it. Oh, that, great! That, 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 that actually was a version of the Steven Spielberg script. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for that. We're now going to move on to a slightly easier... Top, uh, topic for round two, our second of two rounds. So, just... And this is a very simple top three. I've got some hopefully unusual and different top three topics in here, and we just each have to go around and give our picks. Mm-hmm. So I will again start us off. List three places or times and moments you would like to see an historical story set. 
So Nathan, we'll start with you as the one to my right. Oh goodness, let me have another look. I'll jump in here and ask Dave if they've been covered in some way in the show before, or if they've been covered in spin-off media before. Are they excluded, or no, can we go there your, again? Your, your top three. Okay. You go to the same place three times for all I care. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to visit, you know, Augustus in Rome on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah, that would be a thing. Um, you know, I'm a Latin teacher, so I should say something. But uh, you know, like I'd quite, I'd be quite happy for there to be sort of giant monsters threatening 5th century Athens. I think that would be kind of exciting. I would certainly like to see Doctor Who on its budget recreate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Cleopatra. Yeah, Cleopatra would be good. Egypt, Doctor... the pyramids, like Doctor... more than what we've had before in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, um... I don't know if I can get three. <laughs> what, if, what if we go around and do one at a time? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's yours. Your yeah, okay. Athens. I, I want something more in Egypt to do with pyramids and Cleopatra and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yes, we've been there for Pyramids of Mars and, and for some of um, the Dalek Master Plan, but I just would like... Yeah, that's what I'd like. Ancient world, it's got to be Alexander the Great. I recognise we've done Farewell Great Macedon, and I also believe one of the Decalogue stories had Barbara married to Alexander the Great, one of those short stories. You're pushing my memory from from last century's literature there. It was a Jim Mortimer story, and she was married to him, and it was really quite weird. It was good, but it was weird. Um, I'd like to see something done around Alexander, if we're talking ancient world. Uh, For my first pick, I'm going to go something around Mary, Queen of Scots. I think Mary, Queen of Scots, in Scotland. Mm. So between her time in France and her time in prison, I think that would be wonderfully shot, beautifully written. And that, that, that's something that... Um, I think Jodie as well, particularly if it was in her era, that could be a really good dynamic, Jodie and, and Mary, Queen of Scots. So that's my first. Have they ever done Victorian England on the show? I think <laughs> not, uh... not Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind something to do with China. Like, yeah. like yeah. not Marco Polo era... But something else to do. You could with. go back and visit Lin Futu from Fort <laughs> Doomsday before he gets captured. <laughs> we could try and go back in time and prevent him from getting abducted. Well, that's coming. That's coming, that's that coming later this season. <laughs> Fort <to> Doomsday two. <laughs> be five to Doomsday. No, wait, three to Doomsday. We're counting down. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Okay. Um. I. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You do kind of want Doctor Who to do something kind of non-European. Um, but I just worry that they would stuff it up or be embarrassing in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the Aztecs is incredible because it's a non-European culture. I'd like it, the Incas. Like, a, like, mm. like, I mean, I know it's the Aztecs, yeah. but, but it's... You that know, was actually going to be my number two pick, so yeah. we're, we're in sync on that. It's just you worry about the morals of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the Aztecs didn't die out because of human sacrifice. They died out because Cortez came and sort of you know that Europeans came and beat Slaughter the crap them. out of them yeah. yeah that's right you know like it, it uh, so you just worry about whether they're going to kind of get it right or not I have to say that the historical stories that we get now work because they're kind of like it's sort of flavour or background, you know, like the Pompeii story. Mm. You know, you've got Caecilius for those kids who did Latin at school. You've got a reference to eating, you know, dormice probably sort of five minutes in because that's the one thing that everyone knows 
that the Romans ate that was horribly disgusting. You know, so I think those things like Egypt and ancient Greece and and the Incas and stuff where you get just a great historical flavour is Mm. kind of the idea. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to toss my hat in the ring because I've always had a thing for Black Orchid. I like that 1920s era. I, I, I like the fact that Davo was in it not wearing his costume. I, I like a lot about that. But I think a modern series that I liked, like Peaky Blinders or something like that. And I think of that post-World War One era, I think you could do something interesting in there. Maybe soldiers with PTSD. Maybe, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to make up the script here. But just that era, I think, would be really interesting. And I think the BBC could just knock it out of the park with, yeah. without even blinking. It would look just fantastic. I love the historical detail in Black Orchid. I think it's so fun. It is terrific. Shame about the rest of the script. (laughs) I actually don't mind it. I'm not the same as Brendan, although it is kind of horrific, really. But, um, yeah, it's problematic. But episode one's awesome. Um, So I've said my second pick is the Incas, so that's two for me. I just keep coming back to Japan and China. Like, just, just, I don't know... Um, yeah. Do you want to see that unseen story that, uh, you know, they drop Margaret Savine off and then they go to <laughs> Kyoto? That would be awesome. That would actually be pretty good. But again, you know, like it's uh, it's not down to sort of historical detail. Well, I, I want them to go back to the, the uh, does pre- prehistory count as history? Can I say yeah. something in the Jurassic? Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's actually pretty cool. How about they go back in time to the point where Sir Charles Grover and Professor Whitaker <laughs> materialise so they've got someone to talk to. That's yeah, fantastic. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I've said what I needed to say. <laughs> All right, for my final one, I grew up watching Sesame Street and it was the era on Sesame Street where they still played a lot of footage of New York in the 70s. And it looked really grungy and grimy and graffiti and stuff. I would love to see the Doctor on like a uh, a train covered in 1970s graffiti and uh, people carrying boom boxes. Well, that might be about mid 80s. Mm. Uh, late so basically, 70s. Star Trek Four, but with Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that'd be quite good. Nothing with Amelia Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that never turns out well. No. no. All right, we've thrashed that one out a bit. Uh, a next topic, please, Nathan. Okay. I really thought those first picks were going to come into this second round. No, I'm not that, that clever. Yeah, but they were going to fight each other until there was just one thing left <laughs> in all of Doctor Who. Three Doctor Who characters that state, never stated a gay but clearly are. If it's a couple from the same story, you can count that as one pick. Okay, so I'm going to say Vogel is clearly gay. Kara's little secretary. <laughs> <laughs> the past master at the double entry. He is the past master at the double entry, uh, clearly. Um, obviously, Harrison Chase uh, is terribly gay, um, and uh, well, Professor Whitaker. Let's say, oh, neither. No, Professor Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Whitaker from, from Invasion the, of the Dinosaurs. Yeah, in the novelisation, he fantasises about using the time scoop to speak to Noel Coward and Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Lovely. So there you go. I've picked all of them. No one else in the show's ever been gay. I'm going. To, I'm, <laughs> going to, I'm going with. Um, well, I've got one. Go on. Dallas Howard, who plays. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Perry's stepfather. 
Howard. With Howard. those little the little shorts. He's Daisy Dukes. <laughs> yeah, Perry's stepfather. I've got to think about other characters now. Continue. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say the very obvious one is um, I'm going to go for a couple: Marco and Giuliano in uh, yep. Mark of Mandragora. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and not only is that, I think you can, you can actually quite read it into the script. But if you watch some of those scenes, particularly the torture scenes, with that as in your mind, they take on an extra level of poignancy. I think that's actually really mm. really good. Um, I'm going to go for Andrew Garfield's character in The Evolution of the Daleks, where you could mm. read it either way, but I think I'm going to just put it out there. Yeah. Um, so, and for a third one, just for a bit of consistency here, Nathan, I'm going to go for Dr. Lawrence in The Solarians, <laughs> which I think just adds a whole extra dimension to that character. Idiot's Lantern, the, the young the boy. The boy, yeah, yeah. Working that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's almost definitely stated. Yeah, it's almost it? stated, Yeah. yeah. I think but it's not. No, and we know Mark Gatiss and we can tell that he's being sort of, you know... There are signposts for those who want to read yeah. it. And yeah. uh, mm. Amelia, Amelia Rumford and Vivian Fay. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Rob, Dave, I think you've missed... Is it Oscar from The Two Doctors? Yes. I actually, I actually want him to be straight because he's so obviously <laughs> sort of camp and stuff. And I like the idea that straight men can be like that as well Um, and you know like he's easy to read as gay and he's clearly that sort of um, you know over the top comic character but I I like straight men who are like that as well you know I think that's a kind of nice thing and so I want to imagine that he really did think Anita was sexy rather than decorative (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Kimber (laughs) sorry they're all just coming to me (laughs) Okay. Bygone. <laughs> Bygone, yeah. The Borat. <laughs> Quillam? Now, you see, I, I, I don't like the idea of Quillam because I think that's actually a very bad stereotype. I think, yeah. I, I, Quillam's time, I, I think Quillam is terrible yeah. because he manages to be camp and facially disfigured as markers for being and, and unpleasant and sadistic yeah, and all yeah, that, yeah. yeah. All right, Rob, sorry. <laughs> I, I struggle after that. I was thinking Mike from Remembrance of the Daleks, his hair is just so good. Uh, he does have good hair. Yeah, he does got fantastic hair. He, he was one of my three <laughs> Doctor Who crushes when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm struggling after that. You've all named some good ones. Mm. Or a couple of tops. <laughs> yeah, I think I will. I'll borrow a couple of yours, Todd. For at least one. Yeah. Garmin. <laughs> He's terrible. He's such a terrible actor. I know, I'd, I'd often wonder that, and that's really what I wanted to know. Asmail. Mistor. You know, he te- was technically Mike Gates has actually never stated in the show. Yeah, Mike Gates, yeah. And, and he does end up with Tommy Oates and Quill. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, hum, hum, get their names right. Humbug and Handbag. Humbug, yeah, those two. <laughs> oh yes, those two. <laughs> Serious planet. Mm. Then right. I'll officially throw in Mike Gates. All right, Thank fair you. enough. Todd, another top three topic for us, please. What will it be this time? List your three favourite producers slash showrunners. Okay, this is requiring some thought. Well, I'm, I'm going to start because I've got three off the top of my head. Yep. 
I'm going to go Verity because I love the Hunter What she did yep. was amazing. She's wonderful. Yep. I'm going to go Barry Letts because I think there's no other era where a producer is consistently good, takes it in a particular direction, puts a particular ethos over. And there, there are values, as you guys you know, pointed out, whether it's uh, the Buddhism stuff or the liberalism stuff or the multinational stuff, there are values and themes that go through that. Yeah. It, it feels like a whole era. And I think you can't go past uh, Russell. Yeah. So Verity, Letts and Russell are my three. Yeah, I would, I would be very much in agreement with that. I think Let's creates just something that is reliably entertaining. And think about the show before then, and you know the turnover of cast and all of that. He mm. just gets it made and makes it good. And even the terrible ones are good, except for Monster of Peladon and the mutants. I don't think the mutants is alright. Okay. Um, <laughs> But he's not my pick. I'd certainly pick Verity. I think, you know, those first couple of years of Doctor Who are spectacular. Agreed. And I would pick Russell. I think that he has a real sensibility and created the new show. And I love his era. Like, I think Moffat is a great writer. But, but Russell's stuff is... As a showrunner, yeah, Russell... Yeah. yeah, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Moffat's not as good. And, and something that Russell and Let's have in common is something you were sort of hinting at there, Nathan, where... Again, there's that level of consistency in the production team. Yeah. Russell and Let's both find good directors who come back. They find people like Hulk and Rob, um, Robert Holmes and the like who do come back on a regular basis. Yeah. Even Sloman, I know, I know his stories are a bit up and down, but there is that, that reliability. And, and Russell gets the same thing. He, get, he finds good writers and good directors and good cast members. And you just see it come through and it's much more steady because of that. And Russell clearly loves Let's. You know, like he picks... Um, Billy, who looks a lot like Katie, mm. um, he does the same title sequence, you know, yeah. essentially all of that. Yeah. He's, he sets it in mostly in the present day. Um, starts with Autons. Yeah, starts with Autons, has a big regular cast, you know, yep. it's the same yep. thing. I love watching Let's stuff. Oh, maybe I can have the same ones as you. I want to. I, <laughs> who else were you considering? Well, I was Hinchcliffe? considering Williams. Yeah. No, oh, I mean, yeah. Hinchcliffe, I think is great from a production standpoint but from a creative standpoint I'm not so convinced I think he um, his stuff is so good and it's so popular that I think it constrains what people think Doctor Who can be Mm. Um, and you know one of the things that you can see um, RTD doing is showing you that Doctor Who can be a whole heap of other things that it had forgotten how to be yeah. as a result of of Hinchcliffe's stuff, and like it, Hinchcliffe's stuff is so good, reliably good, but um, I just think it's a little bit lacking in ambition. Yeah, you know, um, I'm tempted to say Williams, not because I think I think he had a I think he had a really difficult job yeah. and was making the show under really really sort of trying conditions what with budgetary problems and what with pressure from above in reaction to the Hinchcliffe era Tom and Tom like he was coping with Tom for God's sake (laughs) and there are all sorts of really obvious things that he stuffs up like he forgets to get anyone back to be in season 17 (laughs) (laughs) you know like there are all sorts of problems and and you know I think season 15 is one of the worst seasons the worst season of the 70s I think oh I agree yeah easily yeah but um 16 and 17 are so great 
innovative in ideas yeah. and pushing and smart and funny mm. and they've decided that Doctor Who can be clever like really clever in a way that um, it maybe isn't again until Cartmel comes along um, you know and he brings us Mary Tam he brings us Lala Ward uh, he gives us K9 um, he um uh, and and he brings us Douglas Adams, mm. and I think the show would be poorer without him. Well, I think that's a really good pick. I will concur with Dave, and I'm going with Verity, Barry, and Russell. Mm. I'm just going to be slightly different. I've got to throw in Hinchcliffe because I just love his era because yeah, I grew up with it. It, it, would... it is a very good era. Like this, yeah, yeah. The story for story, it is phenomenally good. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, but um, but watched it a batch. You do but, see some of the problems. But we, of course, watching it film that yeah. it made Doctor Who unreal and the characters um, like you know suddenly you just had one female and one Doctor and there are yeah. no other female characters it, it's flaws became more evident in our in our journey well, I mean I, I, um, I enjoy it yeah but I'm not going to pick him yeah I think it's really reliably good but mm. there are a lot of long dead evils returning to sort of wreak vengeance and stuff but I totally understand yeah. oh, yeah. if, this, if this was a top four yeah, oh, would be uh, yeah. yeah me too I think yeah so my three would be Let's Hinchcliffe and Russell however if we could split up the JNT era I'd almost go for Cartmel and JNT mm. not not the not, not his other years but just those three years you see I would go for Bidmead and JNT but I'd, Cartmel and JNT would be up there as well yeah yes. It's just a shame about. Well. So would <laughs> <laughs> less said about. Okay. List your favourite three Dalek stories. Oh. They're all terrible. No, they're, <laughs> no, they're all kidding. good. <laughs> We're going to think about the new series too, don't we? Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, look. I struggle to remember all the ones that we've had. What do you think? Um, I'm going to start with my favourite, which is Dalek Invasion of Earth. Oh, I just think that's a really good yeah. Dalek story. They're really well used. Uh, I'd probably have to throw in there uh, Parting of the Ways. Actually, I'll say just Parting of the Ways, not the two-parter, the second part. Well, no, 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 I think you can count both. Yeah, right, right. The we'll Daleks appear at the end. That is true. Yeah. And, and, and the build-up and all the, the boom, boom. Music yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually pretty cool. I'll let you guys have some picks while I decide my third. Well, my favourite, just about my favourite ever Doctor Who story is Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways. I think it's spectacular. Um, and you're going to hear us on the topic in a few weeks' time. Sounds good. But yeah. I absolutely adore it. It's everything that Doctor Who, you know, can yep. do. It's so confident and so mm-hmm. terrific. Um, so I think definitely that first. Um I kind of want to say Power of the Daleks because I just think it's um, an incredibly good story and among the best of the classic era. And it's just that we can hardly watch it. Mm. You know, there's that sort of fairly crummy animated version. I, I haven't got to the end of that still. <laughs> it's really not very good. I rely on the CD. Yeah, the CD. I think it's really wonderful. You know, I have to say that if it was that I'm tempted to pick 
the stolen earth and journey's end but for reasons that really have absolutely nothing at all to do with the Daleks and mm. it seems like cheating a bit so instead I'm going to pick the chase <gasps> what about Daleks master plan I don't uh, know <laughs> uh, it's because it's one of mine so snap <laughs> okay so the chase I'm going with the chase because it is terrible, you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's incredibly ramshackle. It's appallingly badly made by the lovely Richard Martin, who's a big sweetheart but isn't very good at ensuring that all the studio <laughs> doors are closed before a, a take happens. Um, but it's super, super sort of crummy and enjoyable and the regulars are so wonderful in it and I am still absolutely gutted uh, by what happens at the end of episode six and I don't think I'll ever recover, so... Um, and it's got Stephen with a beard in it, so yes, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm tossing up between Master Plan and Remembrance. Oh, so yeah, while I continue, while I continue tossing up, Todd, what are your thoughts? Gee, there's so many good picks. Planet, I resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not picking those. Um, Victory. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Stolen Earth Journey's End. Yeah over Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways mm. because I adore um, Bad Wolf mm. that's the first part isn't it yeah I absolutely adore that episode <coughs> the second episode I like a lot but not as much yeah. so so that's what I, I'm going to go with that one if I have to pick a modern take thinking of all the other Dalek ones in modern Doctor Who there's nothing else that quite sort of like I mean Daleks appear in things but is it a Dalek story mm. the, the only one that I would even put up there from the new series other than those two I, I agree they're the two best Dalek itself I think yeah. would be the other one that would be in contention yeah. that, is, that is a really good episode but yeah, I, I'm going to go back I will choose Remembrance because when I watched it it was so good yeah yeah I really love Revelation, but I'm not going to choose it because it's really more of a Davros story than the Daleks per se. Mm, I like it a lot as well. Um, so that leaves me with no other choice but Death to the Daleks. There you go. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. I don't know how you can dislike Planet of the Daleks and like <laughs> Death to the Daleks when okay. essentially one has the word planet crossed out <laughs> and death written in there. One, it's got Sarah Jane Smith. Two, it's yep. got Belle Isle. Three, it's got four episodes. Yes. And it's got the city of the X-Longs and it's got hoo-ha. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. And it's got that wonderful cliffhanger where they look at a pattern on the floor. So, four episodes, Death to the Dark. Yeah, all right, you win. <laughs> and it's got the Pertwee opening credits that are sensational. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All, all true. Right. All right. All of mine have been mentioned in one way or another. So briefly, The Chase. I just love that it's so bonkers. I love that they go somewhere new each episode and it never, ever drags. And it introduces Stephen, my favourite male companion of the 60s. Mm. Uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, because I have such fond memories of it as a kid, as a 13-year-old. I just thought it was amazing. And finally, Doctor Who was something I could even mention to my friends at school and maybe not be laughed out of the playground. <laughs> and the third one will be Revelation, because I just love, I just love it. It's just so weird and, and interesting. And, you know, Saywood wrote some junk, but I think that and Earthshock are just fantastic. I think Revelation Saywood's best script, for yeah. sure. Oh, it's so nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, there's some real thought in it. So I said at the start, Dalek Invasion of Earth and Bad Wolf Pine in the Ways. I'm going to go for Master Plan, partly because a couple of you have mentioned Remembrance, but 
I, again, I think Master Plan is just a wonderful adventure story. Yeah. The imagination that's in there, it's got some really good characterization. It's got some really funny stuff. Yeah. It's got some really poignant stuff. But it's just, it is the 60s of Doctor Who. Yeah. It's, it's Billy at his best. It's adventure. It's imagination. And the Daleks, this is sort of the build-up. You've seen them, you know, in a small city. You've seen them conquer the world. You've seen them chase around time. And now they're going to try and conquer the galaxy. Yeah. And, and it's sort of the end of that Hartnell... Dalek build up, so yeah, they're my picks. Yeah, it's a good pick. I like, you know, I like Master Plan. I do too. Yeah. It's such fun to listen to, it's yeah. so enjoyable. And it's got Mavic Chen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic, Magic, Magic Mavic Chen. That is the, one of the best lines ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> who's in the background? Somebody's in the background when he says that, I'm sure. And they Peter Butterworth? <laughs> like, you just see that look in there, like, look in their eye, like, are we going to retake? He's magic. All right, Nathan, do you want to give us a, another topic? We've got two to go. All right. Uh, here we go. List three W three Doctor Who guest stars. I should really have worked out what that was going to stand for. List three <laughs> Doctor Who guest stars that made you go, "Wow, they got them." Well, John Hurt. Bill yeah. Nye. Bill, Bill Nye. Nye. There are some interesting ones, though, but they're before they were famous. Like, you could look at a, a Carrie Mulligan and yeah. say, wow, they got Carrie Mulligan, but she wasn't Carrie Mulligan at the time. Not yet. No, she wasn't big. But I knew who she, I knew who she was. Did you? Mm. From yeah. Bad Education. No, that was later, wasn't it? I don't know. I might have been schooled into knowing who she was because... Dr. Brian Lindsay told me so. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my top uh, one is Timothy Dalton. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I think that is incredible. And I yes. think they felt the same way. The next one has to be Kylie, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is and that I, even I, the second one? <laughs> I'm throwing my hands in the air, people. Like, you know, if somebody's got all of her stuff, you'd think, ooh, had yeah, it yeah. come to brain, but it didn't. So, um, it's a long time ago now. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is a while ago. Yeah, I mean, obvi- yes, they're so obvious. Um, my second's going to be Derek Jacobi. Yeah. That was, again, as somebody, I mean, for me... I Claudius is a top three show. Oh yeah, ever. me too. Incredible. Um, you know, it, it's that Blake Seven and Bryce had revisited. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what that says. Those are all excellent choices. <laughs> um, um, so for me, particularly Derek Jacobi rocking up and then being the master yeah. was just a, like wow, this is so incredible. So Bill Nye and Derek Jacobi, and I'll think of a third. Yeah, Bill Nye is definitely one that you kind of go, oh okay. Um, yeah, I'm sitting on Nye and Hurt at the moment. Hurt has done a lot of crappy stuff, though. You know, like, his agent doesn't really... <laughs> you know, he was an animated dragon in Merlin. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I suspect yeah. there are a lot of conversations that go, we need somebody who's going to give a John Hurt-like performance. You know what? Just see if he's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was tough. in the worst Indiana Jones film. I, yeah. I concede that, yeah. Um, it's funny. I never thought... Like, when, it, when that came up, John Hurt is the Doctor, I went... So... Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I just went. Oh wow! Like, who's gonna? Who's gonna go? Wow about that? I, mm. I must admit, it came at the end of an episode I really, really detested, and so I just didn't care at that point. Oh. That's the 
the Facebook event of the Doctor trilogy. Oh, all those names. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what. Um, I say, we just needed is, venue of the Doctor. This is we an were inter- a complete <laughs> set. <laughs> Um, Alex Kingston is somebody that comes to mind because when they got her for that episode I kind of went oh because she was in ER and I thought and then when she came back like I didn't think they'd ever be able to get her back like I just that I don't know she's not quite on that same level but it's Ah. something that for me kind of at the time oh okay like you mean and and then she was supposed to be this character I said I'll never get her back never so her recurring status sort of surprised me that she kept coming back then again, she is English, isn't she? Or is she English? Does I she don't have, know. Or she, oh, well. well, she was in Grand Hill, wasn't she? Oh, was she? I think so, yeah. I'm just trying to think of original series. Well, I don't think they ever get like big names for original series. My third pick is Simon Callow. And because oh. he comes into it sight unseen, mm-hmm. playing Charles Dickens, which was his signature role in a sort of... What was then... An, unknown science fiction series for children like no one knew what Doctor Who would be like or whether it would be any good and there must have been stacks of goodwill towards Russell or Mm. something that means that they can get people like Simon Callow and Simon Pegg you know who isn't yet the sort of movie star you know genre um, standby guy that he is now um you know, and Tamsin Craig, you know, who is only a TV actor, but like a super incredible TV actor, you know. But I think in that series, Simon Callow is is a pretty surprising guy. I knew he was big. I think the only thing I'd seen him in at that stage was Phantom of the Opera. Had you seen Room of the View? No. Okay. Not, not, when I, not when he was in that. Right. So I was aware he was, but it didn't, like, wow me. Yeah. So my third pick, I'm mm. going to go with Thomas Brady Sangster in Human Nature, because he was the kid in Love Actually. Yeah, yeah. I think at that stage he'd been Paul McCartney in Nowhere Boy. Right. And it was just one of those ones you go, he's a guy from one of my favourite movies <laughs> right. in Doctor Who, and that's incredibly cool. Uh, like like Bill Nye, you just go, I know this guy, I love his work, and he's now in my show. Yeah. John Cleese. Ooh. Oh. Well, what about Eleanor Braun, actually? Well, I didn't really know her, but I knew who he was, so... No, but she... I mean, she was really something. She's in Bedazzled, isn't she? And she's... She's uh, in Help. Oh, really? She is, yeah. I'm, I'm with Todd. When I first saw City of Death, I actually didn't know who either of them were. <laughs> and then when I went back as a teenager, like, oh, my God, John Cleese. That, that's John Cleese. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was an adult I got down on the But, yeah, John Cleese is a really good call. I like that. Yeah, that is Paul a Darrow. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was tempted She'll to... She'll do anything. I was tempted <laughs> to say Jacqueline Pierce. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that was pretty amazing. And you know when and, and again, there's a production where they've gone. We've got this sort of Serverland-like character. Let's just ask Jacqueline Pierce to do it. <laughs> Brian Blessed. Yeah, he was pretty huge. That yeah. was pretty big casting, but he had done a couple of Space 1999s, and so clearly his agent and, uh, and Blake Seven and Blake Seven. Yeah, yeah. Linda Bellingham from. As a second uh, wife in the or second Carol, in Carol Drinkwater regenerated into Linda Bellingham. Yeah, no, she was she was my Mrs. Um, Mrs. Harriet. She was yeah. my Mrs. Harriet as a kid, so I did recognise her. In trial. I mean, I mean, they're they're a bit more of a stretch because they're people we recognise off other shows, like yeah, yeah. as opposed to you know, like Dalton, Dalton Kylie. and Kylie, yeah. which 
Yeah. I think they're the two big ones. And Bill, Norway, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if we're going for big, they're the three. Yeah. But for personal, I would say mm. Bill Nye, Thomas Brady Sangster, and Jarek Jacobi. Yeah. Mm. I'm spoiled for, for, well, for choice for my third, so I'll just go with Andrew Garfield, I think. What about but, what about um, Dumbledore? Um, Michael Gambon. Yeah. Michael yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's pretty big. And he, he had been Dumbledore a couple of times at that stage, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 I just remember him in that, um, not the Borat movie. Was it Borat? No, it was the Ali, he was in the first Ali G movie <laughs> as the Prime Minister, and he's terrible. <laughs> but he's not working with the best material. <laughs> okay. Anthony Stewart Head. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For TV, at least. I yeah. must admit, when um, friend of the podcast Richard and I were running the Doctor Who Club, sort of towards the end of our time in the wilderness years, and that was when Big Finish started doing all those alternate casting stuff, and um, somebody had some of those CDs on the table to sell to meeting, and the number of people, you know, it wasn't a Doctor Who Club meeting; it was a multiverse meeting, so we had people from all different fan clubs there. And the number of people who come up to the table and see us, they go, oh, wow, Anthony Stewart Head. Oh, it's Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was a big deal. He was yeah, very no, big at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a big deal. Yeah. I'm surprised no one said Beryl Reed. Well, you see, I didn't know who Beryl Reed was, and she's obviously the best thing about Earthshock. I had seen her in The Goodies, and I'd oh, seen her. Oh, of course. I didn't recognise her, though. I'd seen her in The Secret Life of Adrian Mole before was I saw her. The Secret Life of Adrian Mole? She was his dad. Really? I'm, I'm sure it, she was. Is it possible to ever see that again? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it had I'm, Julie Walters in it, what, didn't it? Yeah. What about Zoe Bonner? Maker, yeah, she was big. She or was Cat Weasel. <laughs> I remember yeah, yeah. Cat Weasel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat Weasel's in it. Yeah. Jeffrey Bailden. Yeah. Anyway. No, there's a lot. <laughs> it's more than we think. I do have Adrian Mole on DVD. I think I remember being impressed that Jan Samarco turned up in Greatest yes. Show, actually. Yeah, actually, that's right. All right, our last topic, Tom. Okay, list three new Who stories you'd love to be novelised by Terence Dix. Ooh. Wow. Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Did you read the Moffat novelization? I tried to. I liked it. I respected it. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a fairly reasonable response. It was super smug, you know, because it was Moffat. It was a really smug novelisation. But, you know, sometimes Moffat, I think, can be rightfully smug. He's super smart. And that one scene where they're all in the tower and it's told chronologically you yes. know, three times, I think, is really classic. It's a really good book. Yeah. Uh, I, I can understand not loving it, though. Respect is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but I would love to hit, I would love to, I would love to read Terence's version of that as a special, mm. having read The Three Doctors and The Five Doctors. Yeah. I think um, School Reunion. Yep. Ooh, yep. Bad Wolf slash The Parting of the Ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a third, I'm still thinking of a third. I'm going to go with Midnight for my second. Yeah. Because I think that Terence, and I'm going to assume here that he's writing a modern book and not just a 124-page script copy. Um, I think Terence could do a lot with Midnight. I think that'd actually be a really good book to read. Imagine Malcolm Hulk's Midnight. Ooh. Yeah. 
Do we think that Terence would be better at taking a really complex story and making it simpler, or taking a simple story and just doing a simple version of it? I imagine him as taking a good story and making it better, mm-hmm. or taking a story where there's space in it and making it better. And I see Midnight as that sort of a story where there is space with character and ideas and atmosphere that he could do stuff. Although I do now want to read the Malcolm Hulk giant lizard version of Midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing outside's clearly a giant lizard. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you see, my take was that he was writing one of his classic target novelizations based on it like so that's where i'm coming from he he wrote a thing called made of steel i think which had the modern cybermen and the uh 10th doctor in it yeah. and he didn't really get why the 10th doctor wore those clothes <laughs> <laughs> and it was sort of very strange she was it was a sort of weird old man version of um of the new series I'll kick off with dinosaurs on a spaceship. Oh, okay. yeah. Because I just think you'd have some fun with it. What about Malcolm Hulk, though? Oh, yes. <laughs> As the giant lizard expert. Imagine Malcolm Hulk doing The Hungry Earth. Yeah. Well, he did. So <laughs> yeah, there he is. Yeah. That's true. What's the Kylie Christmas one called? Voyage of the Damned. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I think he'd be great. Because it's a rollicking space adventure. I think he'd do a really good job. There you go. I, for the same reason, I would like him to do Evolution of the Daleks. What's the first one called? Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution mm-hmm. of the Daleks. I think he would do that really well. Everyone kind of hates that, and I can understand it. But it is a kind of um, preposterous, old-style Doctor Who story. And I think he would do that really well. And for that reason, I'm going to make my third pick the long game. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, I can see which that. Which is a story yeah, I like, but I think he would make that work. I could imagine him writing Adam in a really interest, interesting way. Yeah. The editor in an interesting way. The monster. I, although Malcolm Holt could do the drive. This is on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, so I'm going to go Day of the Doctor, Midnight, and The Long Game. I think you could also do the opening of um, Season 4 with the Adam Yeah, Holmes. yeah. That would be fun. I think that would be really fun. What's that called? I can forget. It's called names. Partners in Crime. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I'll chuck in a vote for the Unicorn and the Wasp. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, <laughs> I think you'd have fun with it. The only reason I'm going to disagree with you mm-hmm. is that if he does it, there's less chance that Gareth does it himself. Oh. And I would love the Gareth novelisation. Yeah, of that. that would be good. Yeah, very true. Well, I think I'll do Evolution of the Daleks. Um, I'd quite like him to do... Uh, Aliens of London mm-hmm. don't you think that would be something you know like a big uh, an alien invasion you know like the ones that he sort of did so many of I think that would be really fun um, and let's try something I thought you were going to say let's kill Hitler <laughs> <laughs> and let's kill Hitler good one <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, no, maybe something sort of preposterous like the Pandorica opens or something. Give him some Dravens to mention. And potentially if Terence sticks to the novel by the end of it, I would actually know what happened. Yeah. I'm still think. not sure if Rory's an alien. I'm still not sure if Rory's an alternate at the end of that or not. No, the universe gets rebooted. Right, it's okay. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what about um, the next Doctor? Can you do just the first half of the next Doctor? No, no, with the Cyber King, the Cyber King bit. I think he'd be really good at that. That would be okay. actually quite good. 
I'll round out on a, uh, a Christmas one too and I'll do a Christmas carol because I just think it's so nice mm. and comfortable when I watch it and I think he could do a nice comfortable novel of it gosh that's a good story yeah I mean, it is so good isn't it's, it it's a beautiful one yeah unlike the terrible thing that comes next was that the widow and the wardrobe oh, oh yeah that was the terrible. doctor the widow and the that's wardrobe well, whatever it's called. I don't care. I don't even want to watch it ever again. But, I mean, poor Stephen Moffat. You know, even if he takes a year off or something, he has to churn out a Christmas special. And there's sort of yeah. diminishing returns. He really does some... Uh, but that's the bottom of the barrel, I think. Yeah, it is pretty terrible. Yeah. yeah, I think it would have to be. Although I did fall asleep during um, the Snowman one as well. Oh, I love the Snowman. But then again, that's the version of Clara I love the best. So. Yeah. Well, it, it worked out badly for me because... I fell asleep during the middle of it and woke up and somebody suddenly somebody's tears were saving lives. I'm like, no, this is nonsense. I'm turning it off. The problem is that I then tuned into The Bells of St. John mm. and I was like, why is Richard E. Grant the... This, what's going on? <laughs> Wasn't Richard E. Grant one of our selections for the last it question? It could have been. I would, I would have thought sort of Ian McKellen, Richard E. Grant, and the woman Michael Sheen, in the, in the next episode. Amelda Staunton, all of these people who in, do in, voiceovers. What, what, Bells of St. John, who's a woman in that? She's in a lot of... Celia Imri. Yeah. yeah. The problem with Richard E. Grant is he'd been talked about in so many, like, second-rate spin-offs so often I just assume you've already been in Doctor Who well yeah there is that but he's so not into Doctor Who at all mm. like he so visibly dislikes it and he's so <laughs> phoning it in for yeah. um, Scream of the Shalker that I was slightly <laughs> surprised to see him take on a couple of episodes later mm. yeah. oh well if you need the money that's it. <laughs> well that's all of our topics so we'll end there I hope you've had a good time yeah yeah it's been great it's been so enjoyable just to yeah. talk Doctor Who and all Without having to stuff. edit it for hours <laughs> afterwards, really. That's the, uh... Yes, yes, it's a pain in my life. <laughs> but look, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you uh, for having us. Thank, thank you, you particularly for the work you do with Flight Through Entirety. It is not just an incredibly enjoyable podcast. It's not just a fellow Australian podcast. But I've got to say, as somebody who is doing particularly now our Blake 7 podcast... Uh, there are some influences and tips for players that we have very much uh, stolen slash borrowed oh, from you guys. <laughs> um, just in terms sometimes of ways to, to do the format or uh, occasionally, I, mean, I, d- I did refer to, um, I think Travis at one point has been threatening to take over the show, which was story, <laughs> something I got from you guys. I'm sure I've mentioned the Expedition Coma at some point, which Nathan is copyright to you. But no, you, you guys have been a very um, enjoyable and influential podcast, I think. So it's great to have you in the room with us. Yeah, thank you. On that note, I've been Dave. I've been Rob. I've been Todd. And I've been Nathan. And hopefully we'll speak again soon. And that would be great. <laughs> It'd be lovely. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See Bye. You. <laughs>